Hello and welcome to the Raptors Reaction Podcast for Sportsnet 590 The Fan. I'm your host, Wim Lou, speaking to you after the Toronto Raptors. Exact revenge against the Miami Heat, bouncing back with a 98-90 win over Miami. Uh, obviously, they had lost to the Heat over the weekend. They had a day off in Miami. A lot of restorative properties down there. And um, yeah, much better performance. I mean, you know, when you really think about it, like, okay, so... When you look back at that first game, they played the Heat coming into the hotel at 4 a.m. You know, sluggish first half, pretty strong second half, honestly. Uh, Miami holds on for the three-point win. But my impression of that game, aside from all the, you know, injuries and the the fight and all that stuff, you know, those are distractions, really. But my impression of the game was just like, yeah, the Heat look okay. But, like, yeah, I don't know. Like, they, they don't look that impressive. They look kind of small at times, you know. Yeah, they got the three-point shooters thing. They got Jimmy Butler drawing fouls. You know, uh, I mean, Kyle's real up and down. He was real down today, by the way. Uh, Hero has some scoring juice, no no doubt. But the rest of the guys, you know, they're okay. They're, they're just okay. And, um, yeah, you know, you see the game today where it was tight. It was real great coaching by both teams. Um, Nick versus Eric Spolstra. When you give them two games back-to-back against each other, you know, no travel, no nothing. Probably no shoot, no practice for the Raptors. Probably no practice for Miami either because they both came off of back-to-backs. Pretty standard in the NBA. You don't practice after back-to-backs. Although you still have guys coming in for optimal, uh, you know, um, extra shooting and stuff like that. It's, but mostly young guys. Um, but still, you give these two coaches time to sort of scheme against each other, uh, and you give them the the team's rosters, which don't necessarily have like overwhelming scoring. With all due respect to all the players on both teams, no one, nobody on both sides is an overwhelming score. And so you could have predicted a uh, slugfest offensively. Um, I think my what I tweeted during the game last time was that when the rematch was going to happen, uh, the score was going to be 90 to 89. Um, the final score here, 98 to 90. So, you know, a little, a little higher, you know, like... Um, but ultimately, like, yeah, it's essentially, like, you know, um, that was the style of game in this contest. And uh, when you think about the way these two teams can sort of get at each other, half-court defense, both teams were very, very good at it. Um, the Raptors were so good in the fourth quarter. Outside of a Duncan Robinson impressive left-handed scoop layup over Pascal Siakam at the rim, and then also a Duncan Robinson, like, 35-foot three, um, there just wasn't that many opportunities for Miami to score. They only had 14 points in the fourth quarter. And really, the only time Miami's offense was going was when they had 15 free throws in the third quarter. And that's when they scored 33 points. That's when they took the lead. And that's when the Raptors really had to sort of push uh, hard in terms of their minutes for their starters. But honestly, like, forget the minutes, man. Like, you're telling me... After watching this game, right, my immediate emotion is I'm so excited. I'm sweating. I, I'm having a great time. You know, it, it's like going to a concert. You know, it, it's it's like that kind of feeling. Like my mind's buzzing. I'm thinking about Pascal Siakam fade away on the baseline to push it to a five-point lead. Um, I'm thinking about Gary Trent Jr. sidestep three deep into the corner to make it a six-point game, essentially putting the game out of reach. Actually, not essentially. The game was out of reach from Pascal's jumper, and then the game was the door was firmly shut with uh, Gary's sidestep jumper. So, you know, like that's the kind of excitement I get. And I don't know, man. I just 
I don't want to look at the minutes, you know, like I, I understand that a lot of guys play a lot of minutes. Gary played 42, Pascal played 42, Fred played 39, but that's what you're going to need to to beat some of these top teams. You know, you give your bench more minutes, you're probably going to lose. If Miami gave their starters more minutes, they probably, I don't know if they probably win, but they have a better chance of winning, right? Because when they're looking at their bench outside of Duncan, who gave them 12 points, you got, uh, who is Highsmith? Who, who is this? Haywood Highsmith. Oh, yeah, yeah. So, you know, 10 minutes, zero points. Dwayne Dedman, 10 uh, minutes, zero points. Gabe Vincent played a decent role for them. Pesky defensively, as we have seen, but wasn't able to knock down the three, wasn't really able to impact the offense all that much, minus 18, right? So, you know, you, you give that kind of minutes off for, to guys off the bench, and, you know, they probably won't give you that type of production. Whereas on the Raptors side, they did get way better bench production, not only because Precious Achua snapped and grabbed 22 rebounds against his former team. Precious's motivation obviously is high. He's a hardworking player just in general. But when you go up against your former team that gave up on you after just one season, and obviously, like, they were getting a great player in return. They got Kyle Lowry. Like, it wasn't like they got nothing, right? But at the same time, you know, that's got to hurt. After one season of you and their program where they didn't let you do anything other than just rebound the ball, um, which, by the way, I mean, <laughs> not a bad thing to ask him to do when he grabbed 22 rebounds. But um, when they put him in a box and then they put that box in a trade, you know, in a DHL package up north to Toronto, like, you know, you can see how he would have some extra motivation playing down in Miami. And I thought Precious was pretty good in the loss to the Heat, uh, especially because he had to play a lot of minutes in the second half with both Scotty Barnes injured and Christian Coloco uh, being ejected. And then, yeah, today he played great. I, in fact, I'm a little surprised he didn't start. Um, I, you know, Nick ultimately started Christian, uh, which I kind of get if you want to preserve your rotations from last year. You know, Chris and Precious were the, the, the energy duel off the bench last season that really sort of uh, kept, you know, the Raptors afloat. They didn't have much bench scoring, but they did get great production in terms of rebounding, in terms of... Uh, you know, protecting the rim in terms of winning possession battles. And that's exactly what Chris and Precious did here today. Uh, in fact, I think it worked really nicely for Nick to start Christian because as soon as they put uh, Precious and Chris into the game, they subbed them both in about six minutes into the first quarter. Pretty standard, similar to what they did last year. They immediately went on a 10 nothing run. They got a whole bunch of stops. And then they also got every rebound and they just got out and ran and they got out and scored. And to be honest, that's kind of the theme of the game is when the Raptors were able to push and transition, they scored. When they had to play half-court offense, it was nasty, except for Pascal hitting the baseline jumper and Gary Trent Jr. hitting the sidestep jumper. In the last minute, half-court offense for this team was really nasty. I think I, I saw Vivek Jacob, Big V, um, who's going to be on the program tomorrow on the Raptors show, so catch him there. But I, I think Vivek tweeted out that the Raptors' uh, offensive efficiency – in the half court, maybe this is a halftime, but it was like 50, like 50 points for 100 possessions. Like if they played a full 48 minutes, they would have 50 points if it was just purely half court. But their transition offense was like 181. As in, if they played the whole game in transition, they would have scored 181. It kind of felt like that, to be honest. And, and you know, when you think about the fourth quarter comeback, yes, it was great defense on the part of guys like OG Anobi, who had a really strange game, and I'm going to get to that in a second, but he defensively was there for you uh, in the fourth quarter, uh, pressuring Tyler Hero into throwing a cross-court pass into, I believe, the seventh row. It's like one of those people, you know, that when you go to a basketball game and, 
um, there's a timeout and like the cheerleaders and also the cheer squad comes onto the court and they throw t-shirts into like the crowd with the cannon. That's kind of how Tyler passed that ball into the crowd. Um, and then you had another play where OG was able to, uh, peel off his man and switch directly into the corner, just to, to, sort of just like rotating and was able to sort of, uh, backhanded grab a steal while falling out of bounds and then get himself back in bounds, collect the loose ball and push the Raptors out on the break. And, it was just stop after stop. Fred was involved. Pascal was involved. Precious, obviously, you know, also a very pesky defender. And they were just able to get out on the break. And I don't know how Pascal has the energy to run like that all game. But then again, we've seen Pascal for his entire career with the Raptors. That man does not get tired. He just keeps pushing. And in this case, the Raptors went on a crucial 9 nothing run there in the fourth quarter to uh, take the lead. And that entire run was Pascal Siakam get out on the fast break and making decisions, putting pressure on Miami's defense and making plays, whether that was, uh, let me just pull up my notes here, uh, you know, early transition, push to Gary for three, early transition, gets fouled by Duncan Robinson, uh, gets the free throw line for two, early transition, push, keeps his dribble alive, dribbles around Duncan Robinson. It was like a one-on-three fast break. Uh, Pascal did not have numbers, but he kept dribbling, kept getting deeper post position, used this handle to keep the dribble alive. And the reason he did that was because when you're one on three, you do have numbers coming to you eventually. And Precious was the one who made himself available on a cut. Pascal found him on a pass and Precious finished it. Then an early post up. This isn't even a transition necessarily in the traditional sense of you get the ball, you run, there's three guys, you know, someone's got the ball in the middle and they swing and swing and swing it. Like this is like transition in the sense that like, you get the rebound and you move fast, right? So you don't have the ball. Like Pascal doesn't have the ball, but it's off ball movement. You get yourself ahead of the play, especially if you got a mismatch guy on you because it's a transition defense. Miami has a lot of small guards. So Pascal got a guard into the post, early transition, caught the ball, um, and then the double comes over to him and he kicks out to Fred for a trailing three, you know? And then another top three, this time from Fred, who gets double team on a drive. Pascal's on the wing. Fred kicks it out to, to Pascal for three. That's a reverse of what usually happens. Uh, and then you got a hard baseline drive from Pascal, the drop off to OG for a, uh, a, a, a dunk on a two-on-one scenario. And then, of course, that baseline fadeaway. So, like, you know, so much of that fourth quarter offense was Pascal. But also just, like... It's the it's the transition. Like if the Raptors are able to play in transition, and everyone every Raptor fan should know this by now because it's pretty obvious the last two years. But when they can play on the break, they're really good. And you know when they have to slow down, that's where they struggle. And I think to me, offensively, the struggles were mostly in the third quarter. I thought I thought in the first half the Raptors actually got decent looks. They slowed down in the second quarter, sure, but I don't know. They also just weren't making a lot of shots, and also guys like Gary and OG just weren't involved offensively. OG. Just not taking shots and Gary, or not even just not even getting open, really. And then Gary just getting open but missing open shots. And you kind of figured he would eventually deliver with a big shot. And absolutely did he deliver with a big shot at the very end there. But you know, that that to me seemed like okay, Miami's defense is playing well, but the Raptors are getting okay looks and some of their supporting guys aren't there. Obviously, Scotty's not there too, right? Like literally not there. He's like on the sideline wearing a uh, Canadian tuxedo. Gene on the top, Gene on the bottom. I think it was a Playboy jacket. Looked pretty nice. Um, you know, even when he's in the states, he's a, he's a, he's a he's a he's a Canadian. But um, 
Yeah, that third quarter, I think the Raptors offense got really gummy. And I think a lot of that was Miami successfully playing zone. I think a lot of that was uh, Miami making Pascal think. I mean, like, Pascal has not been efficient scoring the ball in these two games against Miami. So much of it was stacking the extra lines of defense against him. But also it was just like the Raptors weren't playing fast enough. You know, and and I'm sure Nick probably said that to them during a timeout. was just like, hey, listen, I could drop a nice play for you guys, sure. Miami's probably going to blow it up, but... You know, what they can blow up is when you're all 6'9 and running in the break, they're probably not going to stop you all that much. When they can build their defense, when they can stack two lines of help defense around Pascal, like, they're playing boxes and elbows around Pascal, man. Like, he's got the ball. And 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 to be honest, it's just, like, better spacing too, right? Like, I thought in the first half, some of the spacing around Pascal just was not ideal. You know, and you saw moments in the second half where Pascal would have to direct guys to get out of the way. I mean, first off, Pascal, I mean, a lot of the play is just, like, they're – they're not really running plays so much as they're just giving the ball to certain guys in mismatches and trying to play from there. Um, but you'll have you'll see Pascal, for example, one play where um, he comes down the floor. Chris Boucher is spotting up on the strong side corner. So on his side of the floor, he's at the elbow, Pascal, or just like elbow extended. And he just waves. You can see him like furiously waving Chris to get out the corner. Chris empties out, cuts all the way to the weak side, brings his defender with him. Now, a lot of times his defender wouldn't go with him and just double Pascal, but that's okay. If you get double team, you've, you've done your job, pass it out, pass it out, pass it out, find the open shooter, trust your teammates, right? Which Pascal always does. Um, but he furiously weighs Chris from his side of the floor to the opposite side of the floor. Uh, and then he, he makes a hard move. Um, and, you know, what was the end result of this? I, I did take a note on this. Uh, and then, yeah, oh, yeah, right, so Pascal w- clears out Chris on his side of the floor, then he's able to dribble into the middle of the floor, help defense not there in time, because the help was not able to come from the baseline, where uh, it had Chris not moved, um, the baseline help has to make a much shorter rotation, because he's on the same side as Pascal, and Pascal goes to the free throw line, and actually, you could actually see um, on that camera shot at the broadcast angle, uh, you could see Chris Boucher coming over and tapping his chest saying, my bad, my bad. You know, but just like things like spacing around better. It's also like, look, if you have Pascal on the post and you know they're going to double you, and to be honest, it depends on where they double you from, but if you empty out one side of the floor, the double team is probably only going to come from the the top, right? That's the closest defender. Otherwise, someone has to run all the way across the court to double, and you know what? To, you know, I wouldn't put it past Miami to sort of do something like that, but just uh, in terms of just who has the shortest rotations, who can double the fastest, probably the man from the top. And so if that's the case, what you need to do is station your best shooter on the same side as Pascal and then have your three shooters on the other side or three players on the other side, right? Now, um, you know, and, and that's just simple basketball. That's simple spacing. You know, you have Fred feeding the ball into the post against Pascal. Pascal's got a clear side of the floor. Double team comes, kick out to Fred for three. Right, another play that happened in the second half. Very simple things. You know, the Raptors got to keep working on ways to sort of play off of that because even though Pascal didn't have a dominant game by the statistics, right? Twenty three points, nine rebounds, six assists. That's basically season average. Two steals, two blocks as well. By the way, man, Pascal playing really great, and also only one foul today. Much better defensively, I thought from P. Although he did also give another Tyler Hero line drive um, layup, but you know, apparently Tyler Hero was just. Super gassed up for this one. This guy also got 15 rebounds. What? Okay, all right. Salute to Tyler. But, um, yeah, like, you just, Pascal's generating advantages all the time. And it's just about how do you leverage those advantages? Because when you're thinking about the Raptors scoring a half court, 
He is your guy. He is your guy. You got to go to him all the time. And I think, you know, for second and third quarter, probably second half of the second quarter, most of the third quarter, too stagnant on that front. Also, the Raptors fouling a lot does allow Miami to set their defense all the time. So you're not going to play in transition because the Heat are a professional basketball club and they're going to get back on transition off a made free throw, off a missed free throw. It doesn't really matter, right? Um, so the defense was sort of letting them down. Um, but still, like, I, I think Pascal... Uh, did a really great job adapting as the game went on, and the team did a great job adapting as the game went on. But there was other interesting elements, too, offensively. Start of the game, a lot of Fred. First off, I had given this stat in the Raptor show uh, on on you know on Monday's episode that we had Alvin uh, Williams on. By the way, Alvin's doing amazing on the broadcast. Really love his commentary. Um, a lot of insights. I think he's getting more comfortable in that role, too, showing more of his personality. I think Matt's found ways to sort of, like, you know, make jokes with him too. You know, Matt's like a, I mean, again, we've, we've seen Matt on the Raptor show a ton. He loves like joking with you, building that rapport. I think they built that rapport. They understand how to sort of poke each other. Like it's a fun broadcast experience watching the two of them. Anyway, that's just like, I guess a commentary on coworkers, but we had Alvin on and we were talking about Fred and his role as a distributor, right? So much more of him is, is right now he's sacrificing shots. He's giving other people opportunities to score. And then as soon as we have this discussion, Fred VanVleet comes out and, and, and not necessarily takes every shot, but is, is going so much more aggressive in this game as compared to the previous games. The stat I had mentioned is that uh, through the first three games of the season, Fred had taken nine shots, 11 shots, and nine shots, right? I was looking at the numbers. Fred VanVleet last season, having played 60-plus games, had only two games where he took less than 10 shots. He had a four-shot game. That was the game when Indiana was in Toronto, and then there was literally a fire in the building. They had to clear it out. It took forever, and then afterwards, the Raptors just came out, and Fred didn't come back, and Fred was just like, y'all, you guys got this. I don't need this. There's a fire in the building. I'm good. <laughs> you guys enjoy, and they were able to do that, and they were able to sort of obviously play without him. So that doesn't even count. Because that's like Fred played like a quarter in that game. So he took four shots in that one. And then he had another game where he only took nine shots. This is when he was injured uh, and whatever, right? So he was not playing at peak performance. Two games total where he had single-digit shot attempts. In the first three games, he already had two games with single-digit shot attempts. So there was a clear adjustment to the way he played. But I thought today, way more aggressive, right? All the shots that he was giving up to OG, that he was even giving up to Fred or to, to Gary at some extent, to, to, to uh, Scotty to some extent, even to, to Precious to some extent. A lot more Fred Van Vliet controlling the offense. And it was good. It was really good. You know, you had him. First off, this is how aggressive Fred was, okay? Two plays illustrates this to me. Number one, he gets a screen, gets a Jimmy Butler switched on him. Jimmy Butler, elite defender, right? Elite defender. Fred Van Vliet, drives straight at Jimmy Butler, a guy who was much bigger and stronger than him, and goes to the reverse finish off the glass with some English like he's Kyrie or something, makes it. And it's not like, oh, I haven't seen Fred make a layup before. I haven't seen Fred make a you know reverse layup with some spin before. It's the fact that he was so aggressive, he attacked Jimmy Butler, right? That is not a mismatch, but he attacked him. That shows his indi- that it's an indication of how aggressive he was. So that's one play. And another play where Fred is working a pick and roll with Chris Boucher. Fred gets deep in the post, and he's, like, stuck. And I'm thinking, oh, he's going to kick it out. He's going to kick it out. 
And instead, Fred does that thing where, you know, like when you're a, when you're just like playing pickup, like I was playing pickup, like before, you know, you know, watching this game, I was, I was at Ramson after work. And this is literally the most classic play in pickup outside of guys just pulling up for random threes that they don't know how to hit. And, you know, whatever. That's not me. I, I don't do that. I know myself. But you catch the ball in the post. You got two guys around you. And then you just like muscle, muscle, muscle. And then just try to like throw something up when you're stuck under the basket. You never see Fred do this because he's five foot eleven, And this is the NBA. And he was doing that and trying to spin in a layup. And actually that play was finished off by Chris tapping it in for the putback. But, you know, like that's the kind of aggression this Fred played with today. Um, he got 16 field goal attempts. He had nine free throws attempted he was pushing on the break he was drawing fouls very Kyle-esque performance I gotta say after watching Kyle for essentially a lifetime the number of times I've seen Kyle Lowry come down in a semi-transition opportunity drive into the lane and just like pull up on a guy after feeling a bit of contact and falling over and getting two free throws Fred did that at least twice today and maybe that was an homage to Kyle in Kyle's new place but I really enjoyed it and also by a product of his aggression, Fred was able to sort of play pick and roll, set up Coloco on a on a pick and roll opportunity, you know, set up uh, Pascal for a lob, set up Precious for a lob, like, you know, a lot of great kind of opportunities. Fouled on a two for one three in the uh, end of the first quarter there. Again, very Kyle S performance, uh, kicking the leg out, Gabe Vincent contesting hard, trying to deny, draws the foul. You know, it's pretty, pretty nice. But seriously, though, he, he just played his role really, really well. Um, you know, pull up threes when the Heat dropped. I mean, the Heat's defensive execution is quite solid, so there's not that many, you know, mistakes. But when the mistakes were there, he was down to punish them, which was great to see. And, um, yeah, efficient night for him, man. 24 points, 9 assists, only 2 turnovers. Took 16 shots, but made four threes and also hit eight free throws. Like, a really nice game from Fred. And obviously, the def- uh, the defense was solid, too. This is not the greatest matchup for Fred defensively, just because, like, the Heat don't necessarily attack too much through guys like Kyle or or, or Struess or whoever, you know, Fred will be guarding. Um, they chose to put taller defenders on Tyler, which makes sense. You want a shooter like that to shoot over length and sort of make him put it on the floor. Tyler was able to put it on the floor quite a bit, so you got to give him credit. He he was really solid offensively. Obviously, this is not breaking news that Tyler Hero can score. But, um, yeah, you know, Fred played his, his role perfectly. And, and to be honest, it, it still was an ugly game. Like, I'm, I'm saying all these positive things about the team, but it's not like the offense was looking great. Like, there are lots of lulls for them. But I think defensively, that's where the Raptors got to hang their hat, right? No matter what, you got to be a defensive club. And I thought they showed great stretches of defense in other games. Like I thought, for example, they weren't that solid defensively in the home opener against Cleveland. But when they needed to be in the fourth quarter, they freaking locked that team down. Donovan Mitchell goes from having like 30 points through three quarters to having like three points the rest of the way. You know, like that kind of stuff, right? Um, And against Brooklyn... That's where their defense was never fully able to lock in, right? And that's an issue because they got Kyrie and KD. So maybe you play lockdown defense, those guys hit shots anyway, which when you look back at that game, a lot of that was their fourth quarter execution was just KD shoots it over OG, even though OG's meeting him at the summit. Uh, And then that first game against Miami, first half, they played bad defense. Second half, they were way more better on defense. So... I think you got to give it to them. Like, defensively, they were really solid. And honestly, defensively, they are really solid with essentially, I think they played the entire fourth quarter with the same group. It was Pascal, it was OG, it was Fred, it was Gary, 
and then it was precious. The full 12 minutes. I'm pretty sure I got to go back and look, but I just even looking at the minutes distribution, that makes sense to me. Um, and yeah, those are your five best defenders. Um, you know, obviously available. I would say that Scotty's a better defender than Gary. Uh, but, you know, you put your best defenders on the floor. You, you get tons of stops. I thought the Heat, and I, I don't think Eric Spolstra makes too many mistakes, but he did kind of make a mistake. You notice um, Jimmy Butler didn't sub back into the game, into the fourth quarter, which the Heat were leading at the start of it and obviously lost at the end of it. Um, Jimmy Butler didn't get back into the game until like the four-minute mark. And it was clear that the rest of the guys weren't really scoring well. Now, why was that? Part of it was that Jimmy Butler was just stretching on the bench for like a solid three minutes. There was no, break, no breaks in play, no out of bounds, no fouls, no timeouts, no actual opportunities, you know, no free throws for for uh, for Jimmy to sub in. Uh, but at the same time, as a coach, if you see that opportunity happen, like that game slipping away from you, you put your best player back into the game. What are you doing? So, you know, it's, uh, but uh, hey, listen, I'm not upset about it. And you know, defensively, the Raptors just were able to sort of play to their potential for most of the game. I'd say outside of the third quarter where there were just a lot of fouls, uh, they played their potential the whole game. I mean, like, the he shot 34.9% from the floor. Now, some of that is they missed some open threes, 8 to 34. You know they have some lockdown shooters. Kyle went from shooting, I don't know, what was he, like, 6 to 7 from 3 the other game to, like, 1 of 6 from 3? Um, but, you know, like, as Raptor fans, we could be honest about that. This This happens to Kyle sometimes. This this really does happen to Kyle sometimes, and 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 sometimes becomes more often the older he gets. Uh, but Tyler two of nine from three, Max Struess zero of eight from three. You know, so you I could you could say they dodged some bullets, but on the whole, when you watched it, man, the Raptors really were able to uh, you know impose themselves, and yeah, you know the adjustments were just play faster. <laughs> sometimes it's just like look. We're not magically going to be able to break down the defense. We don't have that much rim pressure, you know, like what all this other stuff. But, um, you know, what we can do is play faster. And, and the guys did really well. So, you know, in terms of having Chris back. So I, first off, Chris Boucher coming back uh, pretty solid. Um, the only issue is he picked up five fouls in 12 minutes, including four in just the first half alone. Um, my opinion, two and three were a little soft. But at the same time, those are fouls. Absolutely, those are fouls. Uh, there's a there's a there's a blocking foul where Bam rolled to the dunk, uh, rolled to the basket for a dunk, which is all he can really do, by the way. Um, and there was contact, as in Chris was under the basket, but he was getting out of the way. Didn't affect the play whatsoever. They just slapped him with the foul. And then there's another play where he's trying to guard Kyle and trans. He's not even trying to guard Kyle and trans. Kyle's just like pushing the break as he always does runs by Chris. And then Chris, I think he might've like had his hand out and like, but it wasn't like he pulled on Kyle's shoulder. Like he was just there. And again, another foul. So you might say we're Chris. Well, you know, just don't be there. Or either like commit to the rotation on bam or I don't even with Kyle's like, I don't know, back off. Cause he's a foul drawer. He, I mean, let's be honest. Kyle flops, but, um, yeah, so some of those are soft, but ultimately uh, you can't pick up that many fouls. But immediately as he came in, played great, um, you know, hit two corner threes, which was perfect for the Raptors. They needed that. Uh, had the tip in. Had another play where I think he rolled to the basket for for a layup. So, um, yeah, I mean, you know, that's kind of exactly what you need. I think 
the the spot up three point shooting for the Raptors, you know, the, you got to give them credit. They really have not shot the three ball poorly this season. I think the Raptors might be close to forty. There must be there has to be like the th- high thirties, like thirty eight, thirty nine, if not they're at forty outright for the season. They've actually shot the three pretty decently. Um, but yeah, Chris came in, gave you that energy. You know, I just think that like him and Precious together, that combo coming off the bench, like I that the Raptors in this game, I recognized them. I recognized the way they played. I recognized the rotation pattern. I recognized the style. I recognized the strength and the weaknesses. This was a team I saw before. Whereas in previous games, when it was Fred wouldn't shoot the ball or, and just like OG would drive it all the time or like, I, I don't know, no size coming off the bench. You are relying a lot on Christian. Like It's like, I don't, I don't, I don't fully understand what's going on here. But uh, this one, I, I, I understood. And, and yeah, you know, good performance. I think for other guys, so Gary, look, listen, Gary's taking good shots. You know, in a game like this, we might look at it, well, it's like Gary's got 19 shots. For the season, Gary's got the, the second leading shot attempt player on the Raptors is Gary Chen Jr. Obviously, Pascal's number one, as he should be. Number two is Gary. Um, and Gary's not not passing the ball. I think the through three games, I looked up the stats, Gary had taken 46 shots and only passed the ball 54 times in total in three it, you, you don't understand the ratio of like shots to passes. It, it, it's usually like in, in the case of like a guy like Fred, it was like five, six to one. Pascal was like three to one. OG was like two to one. You know, even bigs like Christian was like, he, he wasn't shooting the ball that much, even though they basically only give him the ball when he's dunking it. So he should be dunking and, and, and not passing. So to have like a, essentially like a one to one ratio from passes to shots is absurd. Um, but I think Gary's actually taking the shots he's supposed to be taking. You you might say he's he's probably twenty percent more aggressive than you necessarily want him to be, but at the same time, that's the score. Like you can't change his mentality. I'd rather the score like take one or two extra bad shots per game because you just need him to have his confidence, right? No matter what, you need your have the confidence. And look, Gary wasn't making a lot of them. And you know what? That, that happens sometimes, right? He had a lot of open looks today he couldn't knock down. The only issue I have is you got to get back in transition, man. You have to get back in transition. The transition defense has been poor from Gary this season. Um, and sometimes, because he's often on the perimeter, right? Sometimes he's in the corner, so he has to make the longest um, recovery all the way back to on, on defense, right? Because you you're going literally from the deepest part of the court back on, on defense. Sometimes you're behind. That I get to a lesser degree. Uh, what I can't get over is if he's taking the three from the top and he's admiring the three and just watching and holding the gooseneck and watching the shot and it doesn't go in. First off, I'm not saying you got to run back on defense immediately. You, obviously, you can admire your shot or whatever. But as soon as you see the shot miss, you had to sprint all the way back. And there were plays where like Gary would like admire his shot, miss it. And then his man, like Duncan Robinson or whoever, would just like run the other way for a layup and he wouldn't get back. You're the last guy back. You, you, if you take the three from the top, you know it's your responsibility to get all the way back. And you know there's no like transition fouling or nothing this year. They changed the rules for the better, by the way, for the Raptors, especially as a team that thrives in transition, not having take fouls is a life send. Okay. But as Gary, you got to get back in transition. That's all I'm saying. And especially, and this one blew my mind when it was happening. So the Raptors were up six with just over a minute left. Uh, the Heat had gotten the rebound. Kyle Lowry grabbed the rebound. Um, Gary went in for a swipe. Didn't get called for the foul. To be honest, I, I really appreciated um, 
Tony Brothers. And I know that's something you would never have thought of me saying on this pod. But in terms of all the officials in the league, Tony Brothers gets a lot of respect. All right. The last game you guys played, there was a fight. And I don't know if they changed up the referee rotation patterns or whatever, because, you know, to be honest, who knows how who determines which referees what officiate where. But after y'all just fought, you bring in a veteran official like that, which say what you want about Tony Brothers. And I've definitely said a lot about that in the past. People respect him. And you come into this game, were there any technicals called? Were there any long discussions about officiating? Were there, uh, did, did it stop the flow of the game? No, it was a physical game. Both sides played really aggressive defense. The Raptors got a little sloppy in the third quarter. They got called for a lot of fouls. But it was a well-officiated game tonight, and there were no problems, right? And, and you know, there could have been, obviously, lingering from the fight the last game. Uh, I've lost my point on, I think me saying that Tony Brothers had a really good game is breaking my own brain. But I, I really did have to give him a little credit there. But, um, yeah, I really lost my point. Damn. Okay, all right. Well, this rarely happens. Oh, yes, I remember now. So, so Kyle gets the rebound in the last minute, just Raptors up six. And Gary reaches in, as he always does, right? Kyle falls over. Gary puts his hands up in a like, no, 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 please, 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 please. Tony Brothers says, go on, play on. All right, let's just play, let's just play more of this really grimy game of basketball. Scott Larry is on the floor. He throws the pass to another player so someone else can lead the break. I think Tyler Hero. And so my point is, Kyle Larry's on the ground. All five Raptors are getting back. Gary Trent Jr. is even getting back. But for some reason, he just refuses to engage Tyler Hero. I get that Tyler wasn't your man. But for God's sakes, you have five defenders back. Kyle's literally on the ground over there picking himself up. You need to pick up the ball. Somebody needs to pick up the ball. And Tyler Hero literally runs up to the front court. Gary's running parallel to him, but not actually like closing in on all at him. He had the angle, had plenty of opportunity. Tyler wasn't like sprinting or anything. He was just pushing the brake like usual. And he's like, oh, you guys are just going to leave me wide open? Cash for three. If that, the Raptors had lost this game, that that possession would have been visited for about 10 minutes on this episode. But because Gary hit the shot and because also they win the game, it's just a footnote. Howard, friendly reminder, God, the the defense is a five man effort, especially in transition, and especially when you have a five on four advantage defensively in transition. But you know, uh, good execution on that front, and I like that Gary kept his confidence. That shot in the corner there, he's just so smooth, man. He's cool. He keeps his cool under pressure. I know all of us are shredding, uh, stressing, fretting, you know, uh, stretting. I guess if that's what it means. But um, you know, Gary is the one that's that's chilling. And the only thing I, I thought was weird about this game was was OG and Anobi's usage. I understand that, like. Uh, there's been a lot of discussion and obviously I've been driving a lot of that discussion myself on my my own show, right? But I mean, four shots in 34 minutes. I don't remember the last time OG was this passive offensively. And it's not like he just, you know, the Raptors weren't passing the ball or nothing like that. Like when you go back and look at it, OG has opportunities where he's able to, uh, flash to the ball he's able to position himself like there's so many things in the offense that og could be doing to you know uh affect the game and for him to only take four shots that that it's not an accident like i i don't know what it is specifically but 
that is very rare. That's just truly, truly very rare. Like I'm looking through right now and I'm going to have a firm answer for you in a second, but I genuinely don't remember the last time he only took four shots. It was the 2019 season. Uh, this is when he was backing up Kawhi. So he wasn't playing a lot. And obviously he was, he, he even wasn't even just that like uh, developed offensively. He had potential, but he, he wasn't this developed offensively. But like, it's just been a really long time from not to, to kind of do this, right? He's been, he's grown so much in importance that you just rarely see it from him. There was also, by the way, hilariously, uh, the actual last time he only took three shots in a game was against the Lakers. Uh, he played nine minutes and he took three shots. I, I'm sure if you're a, a, not even a hardcore Raptor fan, if you're, you, you should know what this one was. This is, uh, this is when he flipped Dennis Schroeder for no reason. <laughs> one of my favorite all-time OG moments. So, yeah, he literally hasn't taken only three shots in a game since, or only four shots in a game since he flipped Dennis Schroeder over and got himself ejected. Um so, yeah, it, it was strange, man. It was a strange game for him. I don't specifically know. It's one of those things where you really got to wa- go back and watch the whole game tape to see why he was so uninvolved. But he just wasn't doing well. And, in you know, he finally made one drive where he scored. By the way, I think maybe part of it was there was a play where Pascal had Kyle Lowry sealed him in on the post and OG had the ball at the top. And instead of dumping it down into the post to Pascal, which is 100% what the coaching staff would have wanted, and also what what the right play was in that moment. He instead decides to keep the ball, drive into the paint, and Kyle Lowry's just like, oh, I've played with OG for a long time. If he drives, I'm just going to step in front of him and stop because he's not going to stop himself, and I'm going to take the charge. That's exactly what happened. And then, much later in the game, OG and OG finally makes his next drive, drives baseline, attacking a closeout, Goes hard to the basket, finishes an and one around Gabe Vincent, who took a charge on the baseline. It was called a block, and I was very happy with the result because it was a very close game. Uh, But then Eric Spolster went to review the play, and it was was overturned. So he still wasn't able to score uh, that much. But look, listen, OG was able to give you the go-ahead bucket for the Raptors. I think it was 86 to 83. OG hit a three off a kickout from Pascal. So you do know that he can obviously make these kind of shots for you. But, you know, it's an interesting one. Why he took so, so few shots and was so uninvolved. There has to be a happy balance between what he did in the first three games and what he did here. This was just out of character. I'm not going to lie. And some of it was foul trouble. But he still ended up playing 34 minutes. So... Got to look at the tape, um, but also in these kind of matchups where teams zone you, they got like, you know, a tough wing player, obviously like Jimmy Butler on that side, and obviously it's a lot of switches on a BAM or whatever, like, you don't need OG, it's because even if he's not scoring for you, just defensively alone, he was huge for you, right? So, um, still got to find a little bit of balance, uh, obviously, Scotty didn't play, but he was questionable, he's day-to-day, so it's a big gap between the, when the Raptors play next, I believe they have two more off days after this. Before playing Philly, I think on Thursday, if I'm correct. When do they play next? Um, 26. Okay, they play them on Wednesday. Never mind. So they, they they do have at least one day off. So we'll see if Scotty comes back off of Bob Anko against Philly. Uh, not, to, not to just redo all the storylines. But, you know, there, there still is a bit of balancing in terms of roles on the team. But I think Chris coming back is big. Obviously, staying out of foul trouble is going to be important. He also plays well against Philly. So we're going to need a big performance out of him. Pressure's going to be needed once again, obviously going up against uh, Joel Embiid. 
Um, and then, yeah, like, even supporting guys, you know, Ken Birch came in, set some solid screens, had a flip shot. At one point, they ISO'd him, which was weird. I know the Raptors love playing mismatch basketball, but if the mismatch is Ken Birch in the post, don't use it. No offense to Ken. That's just not his game. Okay. Uh, Malachi came in, masked. Malachi came in and knocked down a three pump fake. So it was a kick out to the corner. Kyle Lowry was sort of playing the gap. And so he uh, was rotating back to Malachi. Malachi lifted him with the up fake, got Kyle Lowry in the air, and then sidestepped for three. How smooth is that, man? Doing that to your old former vet? Beautiful stuff. Um, but did nothing else the whole game. Also, by the way, as soon as Malachi came in, the, the, the Heat got him in his man into a screen, got him switched on to, to Jimmy Butler, and Jimmy Butler drove into the lane. Uh, took him right down to the basket, up fake against Chris Boucher, lifted him. Um, you know, Chris has done a lot of things well, but today he did jump at a lot of fakes. You know, it, it happens. You know, he'll settle in. Um, I've learned my lesson. Um, but, uh, yeah, he gives up the fifth foul there, and I don't think Chris played after that too. So it, it was real interesting because they immediately went to Flynn. And then the next trip down, I got to clip this because it's one of those like real basketball nerd things. But there's something called pre-switching, right, which is like off the ball, you just see players exchanging assignments and not necessarily exchanging assignments because, oh, uh, you know, oh, this is a size mismatch or whatever. Like they were exchanging assignments between Fred and Malachi. They're the same size. However, the original assignment was Gabe Vincent being covered by Malachi and then Fred covering Tyler Hero at the end of the third quarter there. Uh, the heat came down, gave Jimmy Butler the ball, and I think he was getting guarded by Precious and it was like, Gimme Gabe. And the reason for Gabe for the screen is because Malachi's guarding him. Before Ma- Gabe was able to come up, because he was in the paint and so was Tyler, um, before he was able to go up for the screen, Fred waved Malachi quickly. It was just like, oh, let's switch, let's switch, let's switch. So they switched assignments. Now it was Malachi on Tyler and Fred suddenly coming up to Gabe. And then he were like, hmm, okay, that's fine. We'll bring Tyler up then. So Because he's getting guarded by uh, Malachi. We're going we're gonna to come back up. Thing was, Malachi uh, Tyler was in a deeper position. He was more on the baseline. Uh, Gabe was more at the elbow, and so when Tyler came up, Fred did let's 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 switch let's switch let's switch. So Fred switched back onto Tyler's original assignment, and Malachi was on Gabe. And then Jimmy Butler was like, "Guys, what are y'all doing?" Came over for a double screen this way to try to ensure that it's like okay, stop screwing around. Then we'll bring both guys up for screens, and we'll somehow just eventually get on Malachi. Uh, but I, I think the Raptors were able to sort of scram switch that again. And ultimately, they didn't get the switch. And I think the offense kind of stalled out in that possession. So salute to Fred for orchestrating the off-ball switch. Very, very basketball nerdy stuff. But um, it was a pretty crucial play, I'm not going to lie. And and listen, the pattern has been Delano gets that first shot at it. But he hasn't done much with it. You know, it's it, it, it was a tough stint for Delano today, right? Missed the putback. You know, all the hard work to get the offensive rebound. He's all, he's six foot nine. Just put it put it back in. Missed it. Uh, had Pascal in the post on a mismatch. Didn't look see it for some reason. Swung it to Gary on the opposite wing. Gary of all people was like, "Yo, I actually don't want to shoot this because you know Pascal's got a mismatch." Swung it back to Delano so that Delano can finally make the right decision. Give it to pa- Pascal. The play at that point, you know, that he were able to front Pascal and then make it a little tougher of a pass. But still, as a point guard, you got to make the right read there. Pascal's in the post against a, a, a small guy. Give it to him, right? Had uh, Gabe Brown blow by him. Um, 
no, was no help on the play, so it's not totally his fault. But still, Delano had to take the foul. You would you would like to see the size advantage there being able to contest against a smaller player. Um, and then you had Fred uh, driving, drawing two defenders, and then getting stuck in the lane. And then Delano made a great cut. He was open. Fred found him with the pass, slipped right through Delano's hand. So he wasn't really taking an opportunity. So the second half, Nick won with Malachi. He knocked down a three. They did some scramble switching. And then, you know, Malachi was not to be seen again. Um but everyone just did just enough today to get the win. So good good team effort. And yeah, you know, no fights, no injuries, um, and a win. I'm pretty happy with that. So in order to wrap up the show, your three stars from tonight's game, your first star for me, it's going to go to Fred VanVleet. 24 points, four rebounds, nine assists, a steal. The only reason I'm going to give it to Fred instead of Pascal, because they're very close, 1A, 1B here, is Fred was more efficient with his opportunities. Um, you know, and he was excellent tonight. No doubt about it. Took his opportunities. I don't necessarily think Fred needs to like be the one B to Pascal all the time. I think that Fred and Scotty should trade off turns for being the, the number two. But uh, Fred was definitely stepping up today. And offensively, they needed him. Because I can't even imagine how nasty the Raptors offense would have been if Fred was just sort of play, being playmaker once again. So... Good performance from Fred. Second star is going to Pascal. 23 points, nine rebounds, six assists, two steals, two blocks. Had the five turnovers, shot seven to 22 from the uh, from the field, but knocked down a big three in the fourth quarter, knocked down a fadeaway going baseline over Jimmy Butler in the fourth quarter. Clutch performances. Really figured it out as the game went on, got stronger, and, yeah, took you know pushed the break, was the main driver for the comeback. Uh, you know, everything, man. Pascal's been excellent this season. No one's – no one – no one should say a single thing about Pascal this season. And by the way, another game for Pascal with eight free throw attempts. He's at eight, 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 and nine for the season. He keeps this up, he's gonna be averaging close to 30 points. I'm serious. I'm serious about that. Um, and you're if not, guys are gonna double team him. He's gonna get close to triple double assists. So uh, and then your third star. Um, I'm gonna give it to Precious. Obviously, Precious man, 10 rebounds or tw- uh, 10 points, 22 rebounds, man. <laughs> Like, I haven't seen the Raptor grab that many rebounds since, like, JV or, like, Bismack Biombo or something, you know? Like, Precious, and he was just locking down the boards. Like, any single opportunity that, you know, that he drove inside, Precious was either contesting or he was grabbing a rebound. It, it's really impressive. Like, contest rebound. And the thing is with, with me is just it shows how good of an athlete he is because he's not that much bigger. Like, he's not the biggest guy on the court. Bam's bigger than him. You know, Dwayne Dedman's bigger than him. You know, like, he he's six foot eight. And he's jumping up there for all these rebounds. It's impressive. And just the, just the idea of Precious going home, you know, against Miami, his former club, and going up against Bam Adebayo and, and outplaying Bam. Bam had 14 and 10. You know, that's cool on 4 or 14 shooting. Uh, it's, it's delicious. It's just genuinely delicious. I know he fans on Twitter are a very rational and uh, calm group. So I'm, I'm curious to see how they took that sort of... Uh, differential there and in terms of your chilled Henderson award winner that's going to go to Duncan Robinson 12 points off the bench I mean it's something you can do but um knocked out some deep threes in the fourth quarter it was kind of annoying but at the same time you have Duncan out there Raptors attack him you know he's a net negative anyway um but yeah he he at least scored some shots so uh that does it for the podcast today thanks for, for listening as always uh rate review subscribe it's very very important that you if you are listening to the show and you haven't written a review for it already Go ahead and do it. The reason for it is because the algorithms 
that control most of modern life nowadays, especially for online content creators. The algorithms are largely determined based on how many new subscribers and how many reviews are left on your podcast channel. And in order to keep the podcast high in the charts, not only is it important for people to listen, and there's obviously very strong listenership for the the show, there's no doubt about that, but what we want to do is keep this podcast really high in the podcasting charts, specifically in the iTunes chart, because that is where you know most people listen to pods, right? But if you go through the top 10 of podcasts in Canada, uh, every single podcast that's at the top is like, you know, hockey. It's, it's like Bill Simmons, and then it's hockey and... And Barstool? Okay, well, wow, Barstool's really high up here. I guess I'm not too surprised. But anyway, the point is, it's a lot of hockey, you know? And the one show that breaks it up is this show, The Raptor Show. And in order to keep that from happening and, and keep that, like, continuing to happen, you, you need to continue to write reviews, obviously continue to listen, share. But, like, for me, as a, as a basketball consumer in this country, uh, obviously as a basketball creator, selfishly, but especially as a basketball consumer, it's cool to see, like, all hockey and then one basketball show. And, and a local basketball show. So please support this local basketball show. Is what I'm, trying. I'm essentially begging, but honestly, it is kind of cool for me. I, I do feel some pride in that. So let's keep that happening. Um, you know, listen to the Raptor show. You know, we got great guests every single day. Thanks to Alex. Uh, congrats to Amy, by the way. The, 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 the news is out. Amy has relocated to Miami. She got a job down there working radio and TV full time. Uh, obviously the weather is amazing. She's got connections. She went to school there as well. So congrats to Amy. We'll sure we'll have her on the show. Lots to talk about, you know, Raptors heat. Um, but, uh, yeah, great win feeling great. And, uh, yeah, keep listening to Raptors content. These are all the things I want. <laughs>